listening to the Armbray Academy podcast. You're listening to the Armbray Academy podcast. You're listening to the Armbray Academy podcast. Welcome. I'm Megan, and this is Armbray Academy in 18 minutes and 87 seconds. Advancement creates inspired messaging that supports the mission and vision of the school. Sue Hazel does just that for Armbray. She works with me to ignite the advancement flame in the Armbray community. Susan has 41 years of experience in independent school education. She has held the position of Executive Director of CASE and became the Executive Director of Advancement for Collingwood School in West Vancouver. In this role, she created the Advancement Department from the ground up, implemented a robust annual fund campaign, initiated an alumni association, and together with the headmaster, led a successful $10 million capital campaign, the largest in the school's history. Most recently, Susan was the Director of Development at Ridley College, where she oversaw a $40 million comprehensive campaign, yet again, the largest campaign in the school's history. In this episode, we talk about what advancement looks like at Armbray, annual giving and the ripple effect of giving back, bridging the tuition gap between expectations and reality. We also talked about how financial assistance can help attract the best students to the school and how strong relationships inspire trust and confidence in our community. So can you start off by talking about what advancement is and what it looks like at Armbray right now? Advancement really is about what its name says, advancing the mission and the vision of the school by fostering and nurturing relationships with our constituents. And our constituents are people like our parents, our alumni, our faculty staff, and our alumni parents, and some local businesses as well. We are trying to create messaging that is really compelling, that will inspire people to support the school and to support the mission and the vision of the school. Looking to identify, to cultivate, solicit, recognize, and steward your donors and your prospects. Now at Armbray, what we've been focusing on is how to start at a base with an annual fund, which is a backbone of all not-for-profits in terms of their fundraising and how to educate your constituents about the need for support at Armbray. An annual fund really is the entry-level type of campaign that schools and other not-for-profit organizations run. Every year, you're appealing to your constituents for specific projects that will enhance the educational experience of your students in the upcoming year. So it's more immediate needs than it is long-term needs. So, for example, at Armbray right now, you are focusing on several projects, classroom furnishings, sports equipment, and the other is smart boards, I believe. Those are tangible things that you can start to cherry pick and obtain once you receive the funds and the support. And then you can share that to say, look, when we pulled all our resources together, we are able to accomplish bigger things than just a one-off here and there. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get as many people to participate as possible. It's more about that than it is about the dollar amount. You could be asking people for $25. And if you add all the $25 together and you get 100 donors, that's quite a nice contribution to help realize those projects. And that will, in and of itself, that will inspire confidence and trust in the school 
and in your fundraising efforts, and more and more people will get on board. And friend raising has to happen first before you can get into fundraising. Just like anything else, cold calling doesn't have a very high rate of success or return. And so you really want to get to know your constituents. That's why we often have events just like what you've had recently with the golf tournament. And although the golf tournament was also a fundraiser, it is a friend raiser too. You're getting people out, people together, they're having fun, and they're doing it for a common purpose. Mm -hmm. Even those opportunities where you can bring small groups in for a chat about, you want to pick their brains about something, that's another form of engagement that's really helpful and that people really appreciate. Another question that we often get, Sue, as an independent school, a lot of times parents may not understand that the tuition dollars that they are spending does not actually cover everything. So can you talk a little bit about bridging that gap and what that looks like? Tuition dollars are really there to cover the largest part is salaries and benefits for faculty and staff and then basic curriculum needs. For example, if a school wants to renovate a particular space within its buildings or add a space or purchase new, uh, more modern equipment, particularly around technology, they can't just rely on tuition dollars to do that because the tuition dollars have already been allocated and have already created a budget. And so they have to go out to their constituents to ask for their support because unlike other schools, independent schools by and large do not receive public funding. So they really are relying on their constituents for that support. And unlike tuition fees, donations to the school are eligible for a tax receipt. Some people might say, well, why not just increase tuition fees? But you have to be really careful with that because you don't want to price yourself out of the market. You did a lot of work at Collingwood School and Ridley College. So I'm wondering if you could chat a little bit about Collingwood School, touching on how you grew their advancement department and then Ridley College too, whatever example you think would be fitting for this. When I went to Collingwood School, they really didn't have an advancement department. So I was hired to really create the advancement department. And initially, it was myself and one part-time database coordinator. They hadn't really had an annual fund. So my first goal was to create an annual fund. The first year, we set very small goals because we really needed to educate the parent body and alumni and faculty and staff about what is an annual fund and why do we need this. The school had relied heavily on fundraising events, which had been very successful, but hugely intensive in terms of the number of work hours that have to go into those events. So we wanted to not do away with fundraising events because they also were really good at friend raising, but we wanted to shift gears a little bit and put more of an emphasis on annual giving than on these fundraising events, which were labor intensive and which put a lot of stress on the coordinators of those events to raise the funds. Mm. I worked very closely with the parent association at Collingwood, and we asked our class reps to help us by not asking people for money, but by just encouraging them to consider what we called the Tartan Fund, which was the annual fund at Collingwood, and just communicating with them around what projects the Tartan Fund was going to support we also had quite a large Chinese population and Korean population. 
And so I worked with a couple of moms who were Chinese speaking and Korean speaking and had them help communicate to those two groups about the needs because there was a big communication gap and challenge around some of the families who spoke very little English. The other challenge was working with our alumni because our alumni at Collingwood was very young. The school when I got there was just 25 years old. So the alums who had graduated were still in their early career stages. There really wasn't an alumni executive. So we were trying to form an alumni executive, trying to get the word out to alums, trying to reconnect with alums because we didn't really have a solid foundation. And, you know, it is baby steps and it seems really slow and arduous. And then at some point, things start to snowball a little bit because people start to see things happening. They start to see the results of annual giving. They start to see the impact that it has on their children and their children's classrooms and teachers. And that's exciting. And then people want to be a part of it and they get quite excited about it. And then it really does start to snowball. I think one thing that'll take with me about Armbre is how everyone just feels like a big, small family. And over the years, I think um, the population will grow but, um, with Armbre. But right now, it's just a big, small family. But it's really nice because you get a, um, a better education with a small group of people. Favorite thing I'll take with me is my education and my passion for learning. This place has definitely changed me and for the better. And I think that is one major thing I will hold in my life. What I really loved about Ombre Academy is that there are wonderful people here, like the teachers and the children. And I'm happy about uh, the education here. I think the school will look like when I'm older, it would look the same, but different colors and a bit bigger. In the future, I think the school will look all sci-fi and futuristic and will be floating in the air. In the future, I think Armbre might become a bigger school. I'd like to see all the teachers that I've been with. I think that Armbre Academy is going to be major and has expanded more. In the future, I think Armbre might expand to different places. And I think that many people from different places might come here to gain a higher education from places they've never been. I think that there's definitely going to be some renovation, maybe like changes in classrooms, maybe bigger libraries or better offices. But there's definitely going to be some major changes around Armbar in the future. Annual giving is the foundation, and RMBRA, we are working on developing and creating a master campus plan and a strategic plan, and in the near future, a capital campaign is on the horizon. So I'm wondering, as we are looking at expanding, how do we go about accomplishing a capital campaign? Well, a capital campaign is, just so people understand the difference between that and an annual campaign, a capital campaign usually involves pledges, and it usually involves some major gifts. So you're looking at some major donors who have the capacity to support a large gift to the school that can be pledged over several years. And capital campaigns usually will last several years. Eventually, you want to be able to involve as many people as possible in the capital campaign to give everyone the opportunity to participate and be a part of something really exciting and big. 
But initially, you really want to focus on those major gifts so that if you have a goal of, say, 10 million, you want to be able to get at least 75% of that committed through major prospects before you launch into a what we would call a public phase where you're really appealing to everybody. It's a bit of a science and an art because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not always sure who those major prospects are going to be. And sometimes they literally just fall into your lap. Mm. And other times you have to work with the prospect for many, many months. Right now, Sue, in the scope of where Armory is, my focus as the advancement officer is really just kind of igniting the flame in the community, I think. And we're so thankful that you were able to come and visit and educate the different constituent groups on campus, talking to the alumni, talking to our parents, talking to our faculty and staff, talking to our executive team to really ensure that as a school, we're all on the same page with the direction that we're headed. My focus moving forward for the next little while is really just creating participation and engagement opportunities for our different constituents in hopes that we'll be able to raise friends and raise funds for the school to get to where we need to be to see Armbray in its best state. And that doesn't necessarily mean increasing numbers exponentially, but just being our best version of ourselves. So thank you for everything that you have done for me thus far in the school. It's been incredible to have you as a consultant on the team. And yeah, I look forward to growing our relationship as the years go on. It was exciting to visit the school. It was the first time I've been back in a school Uh, since COVID hit. So it was wonderful to be back in a school and see students right from those little wee ones all the way up to the teenage ones. Not so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. This is a work in progress and you will always constantly need to be reminding folks about the needs, Mm. the vision and how your area is really advancing. That's what the purpose of it is. It's really there to help advance the mission and the vision of the school. And the more people in the school, you know, your faculty and staff who can be a voice with you on this front, the more powerful it will be in terms of the messaging that gets sent out to parents and alumni. So Sue, can you tell me a little bit about our financial assistance and the program that we have? Yeah, financial assistance or financial aid, a lot of schools call it different things. Some will call it tuition assistance. It's really important to any school. It helps your admissions department attract the best students to your school. It helps attract students who certainly meet all the criteria, but maybe don't have the financial wherewithal to be able to afford a armbrae education or a full armbrae education. And so what schools like Armbray and others do is they create a financial assistance program, which is a combination of bursaries and scholarships. And typically bursaries are need-based. So those are given to individuals solely based on their need. And very often families go through a third party to determine what their need really is. And then a recommendation is given to the school and the school then looks at what they are actually able to offer that student. Scholarships, on the other hand, are often based on merit. There may be a student who is a real superstar academically or in a particular program, and you want to be able to offer a scholarship to that individual to bring them to the school. 
These aren't always entrants. Like I've been talking about bringing the student into the school. So those would be what we would consider entrants, bursaries and scholarships. But often they need to be ongoing so that every year a student could receive financial assistance, whether it be a bursary or a scholarship, so they can continue to study at the school. So Sue, if there was one final call to action to our listeners, what do you think that would be? Several things. First of all, I would ask the listeners to have a real open mind and a sense of curiosity about the mission and the vision of the school. Be a connector, get involved, whether that's uh, through volunteering in a classroom or for an event. Connect other people to the school, be a supporter, and that's a cheerleader of all sorts. Speak well of the school, support the school financially to the best of your abilities, and be a partner with the school. Your children will thank you for it, and certainly the school will thank you for it. Thank you for listening to Armbray Academy in 18 minutes and 87 seconds. For more information, go to our website, armbray.ns.ca. 